You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to episode 724 of the Dressage Radio Show, everyone. This is Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. Reese and Phil are out and about gathering intel for upcoming episodes. So sit back and enjoy this previously aired masterpiece. It's our privilege today to have Paralympian Rebecca Hart, as well as Olympic judge Janet Foy, followed by groom to Olympic horse Salvino, Morgan Klingensmith. After that, Janet will stick around to give us a great judge's tip. This is Reese Koffler stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Hello, hello. I, I think we should tell everybody we're recording a little bit early this yes. week because I'm going to a horse show again. <laughs> I know, it's seems getting like it, busy. Seems like we need a year between each horse show or something. But. I know. Yeah, well, you had you had two years. That was that was plenty. Uh, <laughs> no, it's so true. We're recording, um, and I had uh, a great visitor, Glenn, uh, the owner of the Horse Radio Network, and Jennifer were here this weekend. So uh, I'm, I've been doing a lot of Horse Radio Network time, and I'm loving it. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, what, is, what is our boss saying lately? Are we doing a good job or not? I mean, he was staying in my driveway and his camper, what was he going to say other than good stuff? You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, That's, no, it was super yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was nice. We kind of took uh, yesterday off. We did a little bit of work um, and we went to see some thoroughbred babies. It was super fun. And um, it was just nice to spend a little time. Jamie was also here. She's one of the co-hosts of the morning show. So um, we did a listener meetup on Saturday night. So it was just fun. It was just fun to get a little time out. I went to a bourbon distillery. So lots of fun stuff we did, but we've got a great show. I'm still having Olympic fever. Last night was the closing ceremonies and I'm not going to lie. I I loved the wrap up show and they picked the music that I'm using for my freestyle. So I was pretty excited about that. And uh, it was just cool. I mean, I just, as we all know, I've loved the Olympics. And so we're just thrilled today. We've got Uh, a pretty long show for you guys, but I think you're going to see, we're going to keep bringing you different aspects of the Olympics and and all the people that went there and just their stories. They're really cool. So I hope everybody really enjoys this episode. Phil and I really enjoyed doing all the interviews. Well, tonight it is truly an honor and a fan having a fangirl moment and to have a friend on the show, Rebecca Hart. She is literally preparing to leave for Tokyo via Aachen tomorrow. And she has been, this is her fourth Olympics. She went to Beijing, London, Rio. She's been to the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky, Normandy, and Tryon. And it's truly an honor. Becca, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to kind of get a little break here in all the logistical planning and get to talk to you. I know. I love it. And you've been so generous with your time tonight. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, I find it fascinating. So I'm asking the question for me too. Like, what are the logistics? I mean, that's insane. So what do you have going on obviously right now? Oh my gosh. Um, This has been a particularly interesting game to get ready for just because of all the COVID protocols and everything that we're having to go through. But the main thing is really just getting the horses settled and comfortable and all of their health papers and travel documents kind of in order. Um, I am the queen of the like plastic expandable binder at this point (laughs) with all of their little documents. They're like little travel bags. (laughs) Lots of just 
making sure we've got all the dates right. And the uh, when you're flying with horses, you put them on a pallet and then they load up into the airplane and they lock into the floor and then they have all of their own trunks and everything. So we've just, uh, my incredibly wonderful groom, Kirsten Lance, has spent the last week and a half with me kind of getting everything cataloged because you, you, you don't only pack your stuff, but you have to kind of list everything that you're taking and have paperwork with that. So she's just been an absolute dream kind of organizing that for me and making sure Tex has all of his accoutrements to make sure he's comfortable and happy for the flight. And also when we're in Germany and then again in Tokyo. Um, so we're just, today is the last kind of push to get everything ready because we are leaving tomorrow. The equipment gets picked up at 11 and then the horses get picked up that evening. So just getting all of those final little ends tied up and off we go. I love it. So tell us about Tex because he is wonderful. <gasps> Tex is my darling. Um, <laughs> Tex is El Corona Texel, who's owned by Rowan O'Reilly. Um, he is my main competition horse. We have competed at the World Equestrian Games, and this will be our first uh, Paralympics together. And he's a 12-year-old Dutch gelding, and he's a very interesting character. He's incredibly talented, incredibly kind, but also quite hot. So we have to kind of manage his exuberance level and make sure that he is mentally fit and ready to go uh, as well as physically. So he's just an absolute amazing horse to ride. He, he's so giving in, in everything that he does. And he's, I mean, he's like riding a cloud. He's the most amazing horse I've ever gotten the privilege to sit on. So Rebecca, we know that you're a friend of the network and you've been on a few times, but maybe you can just uh, refresh our listeners or maybe we have new listeners. Uh, you know, tell us about yourself a little bit and how you got started in para dressage way back when. Oh yeah. That, that ages me. Yeah. <laughs> Stop well, it. It ages all of us. Olympics, uh, <laughs> We've yeah, been friends yeah. a long time, so it does age us it ages us all. Yeah. <laughs> so I um I actually started out riding able bodied, so I'm a little bit atypical for some kind of, of the para equestrians. I started riding I was a horse crazy little girl. My poor father was like, honey, wasn't this supposed to be a phase? <laughs> and um, he let me do a pony ride when I was about eight years old. And I just started riding ever since then. I started out in the hunter jumper world. Um, didn't know that para equestrian even existed. And then it was actually in 1998 that Practical Horsemen had run an article about the 96 Atlanta games as they were kind of getting ready for the Sydney games in 2000. Um, and it, it was that article that my mom then kind of found and she said, honey, you should, you should kind of check this out. And at first I was not interested because I was a jumper and I enjoyed the adrenaline of that discipline. And I didn't want to kind of look into dressage, but they had given, they were giving a clinic um, in Georgia as a prep kind of for the riders to go to Sydney. And it was open to kind of audit and to also ride. So we drove down and I tried it and it was my first kind of dressage horse experience. And I was almost immediately hooked because it was so fascinating to me, the amount of communication that you could have with the horse and the feel of the balance and the harmony and, and the gymnastics that you do when you're running through a, like a proper dressage horse, a uh, dressage test on a dressage horse. And it was just, 
so eye-opening um, to have the level of relationship with that horse. And it, it really kind of fascinated the mental aspect of that sport really fascinated me. So I started doing it in 1998 and I didn't have a dressage horse, didn't actually own a horse at the time, but I remember going home in the car and being like, you know what? I want to try for this Paralympics and I think I'm going to do it for 2004, which was a little ambitious, um, (laughs) 14 year old self. And I didn't make for 2004 games, but I actually did make the 2008 team. And then I have been so incredibly blessed in, in my opportunities and everything over my, my entire career. And I have been able to be fortunate enough to be on the team ever since 2008. Um, which is just when I look back at it, I mean, it's so humbling. And so I actually get emotional thinking about it because it's, it's <laughs> from a, from a young kid who doesn't come from a horse family um, to have been able to be, to have that kind of a career with so many amazing people supporting me. It's, it's, it, it never gets old. Oh, I'm like oh, tearing up a little and, and you have an amazing team. So, uh, and you, you did change trainers re- fairly recently, right? Yes, I actually did, which is um, not, you know, trainer changes are always interesting. And usually right before the Olympics, that's not necessarily an ideal situation. And then right before 2018, I was training with Melissa McLaren Belix, right when we started partnering with Tex. And she's amazing. She's a long-term friend. Um, and she helped us get through the World Equestrian Games and to also training us for the bronze and silver medal. And then um, she was actually offered a really amazing opportunity for her own riding career to kind of start taking over some really amazing young horses and do the young horse championships with them. And unfortunately, the young horse championships and the Paralympic timeframe are literally the exact same dates. So we had a very amicable situation and I'm so excited and happy for her to be able to take that step with her own professional career. Cause I think that's such, you know, anytime that you can get your career going and you have to take those opportunities. So it actually was good timing. And I'm now training with Jennifer Baumert. I've been riding with her all kind of winter season and through this early part of the summer and our final preparations for Tokyo. And she's going to actually be the one that travels with me to Aachen tomorrow and then on to Tokyo. And she's fit into this program so well. She totally understands that kind of the needs of myself as a rider and also with text, um, respecting the relationship that we already had together. And then just kind of being able to guide us and and help us on that path in that kind of tricky time frame of all the qualifiers right before um, the Tokyo selection trials. And she's just brought an amazing wealth of knowledge and great energy. Um, so I'm so excited to have her on my team. I, it, it feels like a relationship that even though it's been short duration, I feel like we've been training together forever. That's awesome. She's, she is such a quality. She's just an amazing human being. So one of my favorites as well. She's awesome. So Becca, when you go to Aachen, so you leave uh, tomorrow and head to Aachen. So we are actually recording on a, a Thursday night. Uh, you're heading to Aachen. So what are some challenges that you see sort of, you know, obviously the weather is very different in Aachen versus Tokyo. So what are some things that you're going to be kind of preparing for when you're there? Yeah, so it's, we're kind of going from kind of ideal training circumstances in Wellington, Florida with the heat and the humidity. Um, And then the logistical kind of challenges has all of the horses needing to kind of 
do a pre pre export quarantine in Aachen. So all the European horses, the American horses, were all going to be at the Aachen showgrounds. Um, and then, of course, when we land there, it's literally supposed to be 66 degrees and raining. So all of our horses are used to the heat. So we're going to be paying very close attention to their hydration and also making sure that they stay comfortable in their bodies going from those kind of two extremes. So we have our vets are are traveling with us to make sure all of their needs are met. Um, And we'll be adapting our training and and everything that we do in pre-export quarantine to make sure that we take that into consideration before we then get on a plane and, and have another long flight and land in heat again. Right, right. So what are you looking forward to these games? Like you said, there's a lot of challenges um, and I'm sure you've gotten some um, tips from some of the the dressage athletes and the other athletes that have already been there. So what are some things that you're excited about slash, you know, maybe even worried about when you get to Tokyo? It's the thing that has been causing me the most stress right now is actually the COVID test because it's, um, although I got my results, I literally just got them an hour ago and they are negative. So we are good to go for launch, which makes me so happy. Yes. Um, but it's, it's all the COVID testing, um, because it can be, if anyone gets a positive, it's you're all of that hard work and all of those dreams, it's immediately kiboshed. Um, <sighs> so just kind of, that's what I'm nervous about, but I am so excited to get to travel with our current team. I'm really, really excited about the group of riders that we have going. We've kind of got some girl power. Like we've got Roxanne Sonnell, <laughs> who's been phenomenal this season. Like the lead up to her games is just astounding. She's broken, first she broke the world record and then she broke her own world record not <laughs> once, but three times. And um, then we've got Kate Shoemaker, who's doing an incredible job with her horse, Solly. And we've got a newcomer, Beatrice DeLavalette, who's also, she was in Europe earlier this season and she was right behind the world number one in her grade. So we've got a really strong, good group of of riders and I'm so excited to get to represent the country with them. And I'm just excited to kind of see how it unfolds on the field of play. It's a privilege to to have this strong of a team and be part of that. Well, I see we are going to be watching and cheering from our, all our homes and, you know, you're just such a cool person and, and you're just a fan favorite and we're really going to be excited to see how you guys do and follow your journey. So how can we follow you? All the good things. So there are, what's really exciting about this games as well, and you guys can follow us by NBC is really up to the coverage for the Paralympics. So we're super excited to have kind of that representation on um, the national networks. There will be some streaming as well. I'm not exactly sure of that link yet. I think that I can get you that information as it comes. Um, But we will actually be getting uh, good kind of network coverage, which is exciting for the games. And also to have like Toyota, which is exciting as a Paralympian, recognize the Paralympians at the same level as the Olympians, as the able-bodied Olympians in kind of financial support and um, recognition, which is it's Toyota has been an amazing kind of, they have stepped up and really supported the Paralympic movement. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. Fantastic. And how can our listeners follow you online? I am on Facebook and Instagram uh, at Rebecca Hart 136. And uh, I'll be posting as much as I can, some videos and kind of behind the scenes stuff, because I think that's kind of the interesting part, because we all kind of, you get the results. But I think the behind the scenes and the kind of the fun that we have is uh, 
that'll be on my Facebook and my Instagram. Oh, fantastic. Well, we wish you all the best of luck. Girl power to the U.S. Para Dressage team. And we're going to be cheering you guys on. So good luck. Thank you so much. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight I am truly honored to have Janet Foy. She is just back from the Olympics. She is an FEI five-star judge and was a judge and official at the Olympic Games. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love coming and chatting with you always. Oh, you're so sweet. I, I, you know, we were just chatting off the air on how much I enjoy. You have my favorite Facebook page because you just, you have such a cool eye for travel and all the just seeing the Olympics through your eyes was fascinating. So I'm just going to let you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and cause to judge at the Olympic games is amazing. So I'll just let you start and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, what I do now is certainly nothing I ever thought I would do when I was growing up. I think I wanted to be a flight attendant because I thought traveling was really cool. So now I probably have more miles than any flight attendant alive. (laughs) (laughs) And someday I hope I'm almost at 4 million miles on United. So at some point I'm going to have someone who knows higher math figure out exactly how much of my life was spent in that little tube (laughs) flying from (laughs) here to there. And I may not want to know, but um, exactly, it actually might be a little bit interesting um, I really uh, originally wanted to be a teacher. I love teaching. Teaching's my passion, and actually it still is. I love teaching judges' programs. I love teaching my clinics and riders because you have such good feedback right away. You can talk to them. They can talk to you, um, and I love that interaction, and judging doesn't give you that interaction. You're telling the rider on paper why you're giving them the score you're giving them, but there's really no feedback from the rider. Although this weekend, um, I have to say I was really excited. I judged an I-1 freestyle. That really was great music and a really charming Welsh cob, and it was really well done. But she did a shoulder in and a shoulder out, and my comment to her was, if you go to regionals and you have a judge at E or B, the way you're doing your shoulder out pattern is not going to be visible and 
you're going to confuse the judge and not get a high score. Now, she didn't talk to me afterwards. She talked to the TD and just said that that was so exciting to get that sort of input that she hadn't even thought about a judge on the side or what we were, you know, what they would see at a regional championship. So I really enjoy that sort of input. But of course, at the horse shows, we're not really allowed to sit around and chitty chat with the competitors. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's kind of a shame because it's, yeah. it's such a good educational opportunity for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I really like to kind of search out the judges, you know, usually a little bit after the competition when everything's kind of letting down and and um, and just have a chit chat and and you know a, a human interaction as well. To uh, you know, most judges are kind of chatty, so you know if you if you get talking to them, they'll 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 keep you there for a while, and you can learn so much. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different in Europe, certainly. There's a lot of suspicion here, and I understand I, this never happened to me when I judged the Arab championships, but I've heard that judges would get new Cadillacs in their driveway and, you know, nice bribes like that to make sure the owner's horse won at the Arabian National Championships, but... I guess I was there a little too late for that. <laughs> I'm like, that <laughs> happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Wow. Cause that's right. You grew up in Colorado and right. doing it. Yeah. So, so how did you switch sort of dressage and judging? I mean, it's, it's a fascinating story. Well, it's, yeah, it's a very kind of strange story. I, um, I was a rodeo queen and just went to the Rodeo Queen luncheon and saw all the other old has-been Rodeo Queens we do once a year, which is always really <laughs> a fun get-together. <laughs> I have to say, we old gals hold up pretty darn good. Yes, um, you do! It's, 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 <laughs> it's always a fun time. But I, um, when I got married, I moved to Oxford, England, and wanted to ride. I couldn't do anything else because we couldn't work. We couldn't get visas to do anything. So I joined the Oxford Riding Club and there was another uh, wife involved. My husband was a Rhodes Scholar and there was another Rhodes Scholar's wife there from Georgia and she was a hunter-jumper person. So she joined the club with me and we went out once a week and it turned out it was a dressage barn. It was Molly Sivright's barn, Talent, which is quite famous. Um, her daughter, Pammy Mansfield, still competes dressage. And so we started riding. We had no idea what the instructor was talking about. And it was a group lesson. And group lessons in England are very structured. And they start with ride, prepare to. <laughs> and so you're prepared to do. And then they tell you ride, shoulder in. Well, we had no idea what that was. So we just kept riding <laughs> around. We finally went to a bookstore and bought a book, uh, Lockie Richards, Begin the Right Way. And it had pictures. It was fascinating. It's like, look, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So we had no idea, but we were having a great time. So Virginia and I decided that this group lesson was not going to cut it. And she had a car. So we kept going out and doing semi-privates and taking lunge lessons and we got really, really hooked. I, of course, you know, being the personality I am, got overly hooked and ended up doing my British Horse Society exams. And so when I came back to Colorado, I had the, a job with a film production company doing their marketing. That's my degree in college. 
And I wanted to buy a horse. I bought a half-starved thoroughbred out of a field for $500. And she was pretty wild once she got some food. But people (laughs) were like, oh, will you give us lessons? Will you train my horse? And I have to say, I was not a good rider. I had really no idea what I was doing, but I was better than anybody else in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was, it's, it's the nightmare of all certified instructors now, Reese. Because yeah. I was that person. Yeah. <laughs> I was that person. With it worked no out well for you. <laughs> I put up my shingle and I was now a dressage trainer. Um, so I quit my job and decided I was going to be a dressage trainer. So luckily, Julie Sadowski had been bringing Bodo Hanyan in. And Bodo was um, from the Spanish riding school and was working at Temple Farms. And I signed up for a clinic. And I have to say, I don't know what kind of bad words I can say on the radio, but he watched me ride for about 10 minutes. And he said, you, you call yourself an instructor. You are, if you can imagine. And I said, yeah, Bodo, I agree with you. I am. However, I've paid my money and you have 43 minutes left. So <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. That's nice. right. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't try to out German a German girl. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a house full of German men. So, you know, I, I'm not easily intimidated. So we became really super best friends and he was the first person that taught me to put a horse on the bit and, I mean, things just kept rolling along. I had this wonderful Chinese doctor who walked into the barn one day and said he wanted to buy a horse. And he ended up buying a whole pasture full of horses and wonderful (laughs) Swedish Holsteiners. And he was my sponsor for years and years. And, you know, it was one of those, I think, right place at the right time. And I worked really hard on my education. And I brought all the top riders of the day every month to my barn to do three days of clinics. Um, I rode with Robert for years, Betsy Steiner, Uwe Steiner, Jo Henneman came, Rudolf Seilinger, um, you know, really some good, good people. So I really worked hard at getting an education because I never felt like, oh, I know everything. And it was always good. I always would go to California for the regionals. Uh, that's when we had three East Coast, West Coast, middle of the country. Mm-hmm. And I would go out there. And of course, I was the, you know, big fish here and winning everything. And I'd go out there. I remember one year I was looking around with my third level horse and I had a first level and a third level horse. And I was looking around the Californians. and I thought, this is not going to be good. Their first level horses look just like my third level horse. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I got a good butt kicking and which just inspired me um, more. The judging thing, I was just, I love training. I love the process of riding and teaching the horses and having them learn. I mean, that was so um, like a drug. I just loved that. I had no idea even what it took to be a judge. And I had no desire to be one. Um, But my friend, Sue Curry included, she was with me at this time. And Anita Owen, you know, Suzanne Hathaway. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're all here in nowhere, Colorado. And Sue Curry and 
Anita decide they want to be judges. So they set up this judge training program, but they needed one more person to make it work. And I was the only other one that had the riding scores. And if I didn't do it, they couldn't run the program. You got dragged into <laughs> so it. You got dragged in. <laughs> I did. I was bullied. <laughs> <laughs> good for them so, no sorry We're, we don't we don't like so bullying. anyway yeah I went through the program and I passed and I was now totally in shock like oh my god <laughs> I passed now I really am in trouble because I really know nothing so you know it was another journey of really working and doing as many forums and education things as I could to figure out um you know how to be a better judge. At that time, there were very, very few judges in the middle of the country. So I did actually a lot of judging. They were only smaller and larger at that time as well. And I also judged a lot of events. So I really did have a lot of practice. And then the funny thing, Lois Eukins and I went through the S program together. And after we passed, she's like, okay, now we're going to be FEI judges. And I'm like, what is that? She goes, come on, you can't be that naive. You've been riding in CDIs. I'm, well, they're just judges from a different country. And she goes, no, they're special. They're FEI judges. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, well, we've just spent $10,000 getting our S. We don't need, no, I've signed us up for a forum in England. We're going. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Got to drag to England so, as well. Yeah. So Lois <laughs> drug me along and lo and behold, we both became FEI judges. So, yeah, you know, I have to say I was so naive. Um, and that's sort of my journey with the horses. I've, I've um, had great people in my life and great help. And like I said, you know, right place at the right time. So, And you're open um, to it, though. You've been open to every door. You know, there's a door yeah. open. Yeah. You may be dr- pushed in, but you see, you went through the doors. <laughs> yeah. And once I, uh, once I was on the other side, I saw the big cavern and went, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I better work on this and be really good at what I'm doing. So anyway, so maybe, it's maybe been we'll, a fun yeah. process. Maybe we'll kind of fast forward to, you know, when did you find out that you were going to be uh, an official at the at this Tokyo Olympic well, I think they named the panel. It was kind of an interesting, they, they invite the panel and then you're not supposed to tell anybody until the FBI officially announces it in a press release. So they took forever and I'm ho-hum, ho-hum, you know, and I told my husband because he's, he doesn't hang around horse people. So he wouldn't tell <laughs> anybody. Yeah. Um, and then, I was in the show in Florida and someone said, well, congratulations on getting to judge Tokyo. And I'm like, how did you find out? <laughs> We're not supposed to tell anybody. Well, I guess it was leaked all over everywhere. So everybody knew, but I think it was in 2018 toward the end of the year, because 2019, the schedule, they, they like to have all of the, the, the panel practice together. And all the big shows like Aachen and um, Fritzens and Compion, they like to hire, if if they can't have all seven of you, they'll take five of you. So that they can say the Olympic judges are here, you know, judging in 2019. So it was an interesting, great, great year because I did 
so many wonderful shows, Aachen included, and Fritzen's. And then I judged the European Championships, which was unbelievable. It was so exciting. It was in um, Rotterdam. And then I also judged the Pan American Games that year. So, and I worked a lot with my colleagues. So we were ready. We were really ready to do this. And then in March, we were all in Herning, Denmark at their big show. And COVID really was creating some issues. And um, Princess Benedicto said, they want me to shut down the show, but we've already been here for weeks, so I'm going to wait. I think it was Saturday morning we had a luncheon and they had their big gala Saturday night. And my husband and I barely got out of the country before they shut everything down. And then, of course, it was everything was shut down. So nobody had any practice. I think the Festival of Championships in August 2020 was the first show I judged in months and months and months. I did a lot of clinics where I could drive. I found all sorts of people within <laughs> five hours of driving that wanted to have lessons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's sure. sort of w- what I did. And I have to say, I went to Hagen this spring and it was really difficult. We had to have a lot of letters and, and it was really difficult because at that point we were not allowed into the country, but because we had letters from the Olympic Committee stating it was for the sport they let us in. But that was the first time most of us got together in a year. Wow. So we all felt, and then of course, Aachen moved. So we didn't have that opportunity and Fritzen's canceled. So a lot of the shows that we had planned on practicing and working together um, didn't happen. So we were all a little bit terrified, I think. I don't know about my colleagues, but I know for myself, I thought, wow, this is going to be really interesting because so many of the horses were new. Um, Some of the old standards that would have come in 2020 had aged out and weren't coming in 2021. So it was, that was stressful. And then of course, all of the paperwork and all of the apps and the health, this and I mean, Lilo finally hired someone to help her do it and had to buy a new phone. It was an unbelievable process um, to get there. Once we were there, I only stayed three hours in the airport. Emily Sandler, one of the vets, was there for eight hours. It sort of depended (gasps) on how many people um, landed at the same time. But you had to stay there. I mean, they they did your COVID test. They did all the paperwork. They did the accreditation. They were amazing. I, I The Japanese, I don't know if these people were paid, if they were volunteers, but I have never had such an amazing group of people. They were so polite and so cheerful and so welcoming and really made this whole process, which was not easy for anyone bearable. They were just incredible. And after you got the COVID test, they two people, you never got to be alone because I think they were afraid you were going to like run off somewhere, but <laughs> you always had one or two people escorting you to the, to the next station. And then here you get on this bus, you go to downtown and now there's three people meeting you. And now they put you in a taxi and only one person per taxi. It was certainly not what I thought the Olympics were going to be like. The European Championships in Aachen, when you have 
all those people there and they're cheering and waving flags and um, booing if they don't like your score. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it creates such an atmosphere for not just the horses, but for the judges too. And it was very, we had no spectators. We had no noise. We had no crowds. It was a very different, different experience from what I thought being at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And of course, we couldn't go to any other venues. We had our own banquet room in the hotel. There were three of them, uh, yellow, green, blue. Uh, green was vaccinated. We were all vaccinated. So we got to eat in that banquet room, um, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And the tables were separated by plexiglass. And everybody wore masks. We we could go there and eat, and then we had to go back to our rooms. We could not hang out in the lobby. We tried once to go to the coffee shop and get coffee, and we were kicked out. <laughs> we were like, yeah. No, nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, we t- had our temperatures taken about four times a day. Um, we had to put our temperatures in a OCHA app every day. We had a spit test every day that we had to take with us to the venue and turn in. And they then put all those results into the OCHA app. And those were the tests we used to come home, except for poor Susie Hubner's and Mary Zeefried because they had to go through Singapore and Singapore wouldn't accept the spit test. So they had to spend $400 of their own money to go to a a lab um, a couple blocks from the hotel and pay to have the the nose swab. Oh my gosh. Wow. I know. If I ever see another Q-tip or another little <laughs> bit thing, it will be too soon. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too, too raw. Too raw. So, so Janet, I just wanted to talk about the judging and, and from the judging perspective, you know, going to the Olympics, you talked about, you know, working together with your team and, and uh, you know, s- seeing most of the competitions before the big Olympic competition. What's it like just going fresh like that and seeing some different uh, some different combinations or some newer horses. Uh, can we can we talk a little bit of, of, about that? Because I think there's you know people have a you know the idea that you know because you do that tour that you already have your score set for for the combination. Yeah. So so um, I think that's inf- interesting for people to know how that all all works and that you don't just predetermine who's going to win and who you know that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think you know it's it's practicing together is more about not deciding where the horses are going to slot. It's more about saying, okay, that canter pirouette, the horse lost the lead behind and then trotted. What score should we give that? Or the horse stopped and walked the entire canter pirouette. What should we give that? So it's more that sort of discussion that we have, you know, is it a one, is it a two, is it a three? Um, what's the difference between that Piaf that's getting an eight and that Piaf that's getting a 10, you know, so it's talking more about technicalities, um, not so much about, Oh, this horse is in this range and this horse is in this range. And I think when you sit down, you're in your booth with your scribe and you just have to trust your training because there are so many decisions you have to make, um, quickly. We had, 70, I think, horses in the Grand Prix. And I'm not sure how many scores that is total over two days that we all gave times seven. But when the JSP 
gave us our sheets and showed us what they changed, um, they said we changed less than 30 scores. Wow. Janet, real quick, can you um, explain what the JSP is so people understand what that is? The JSP is the Judges Supervisory Panel. And in Tokyo, it was um, David Hunt. He's the head of it. Lilo. um, And then Maribel um, stood in for Hank. He wasn't able to make it. And what they do is they sit during the Grand Prix and they watch and they have immediate video playback. And so... For example, if we saw an extended canner with a flying change at the end, and if I'm sitting in the corner where all I see is the rear end of the horse and the flying change is late in front, I might go 7-7, where the judges who can clearly see the front of the horse sitting down at the A end um, would give that flying change a four. So what the JSP does is they take the scores and bring them closer together in those instances. So, you know, you can only judge what you can see, but sometimes you're a little too high or too low. And so they just try to make the scores a little bit. um, So there's not such a huge range of the scores. And then we have a meeting with them after the, uh, the two days of competition and we go over videos and we have discussions and it's very, very helpful and very educational for the judges. And I think you can see, truthfully, that the judging was super honest. Carl Hester just wrote a very nice article um, in Horse and Hound that said it was the best judging panel for any major championship so far, which coming from him is a very nice accolade. But for example, Sabine, I had judged her once or twice in Florida. She came in as our third placed rider. None of the other judges had ever judged her. So obviously they were, if they had in their minds been thinking she was, oh, the third place American rider, they would not have put her in third place after two days. So, I mean, the judging was really, really honest. We judge what we saw when, unfortunately, the Danish gal had the mistake on the team day. It took Denmark out of the, out of the medals and you know, everybody moved up a slot. So, you know, you have to trust your training and you have to be mm-hmm. honest. And it, it's Stephen Clark always said, and it was the best advice maybe I've ever heard is give your score and move on. The more you think about it or go back or think you may not have done the wrong thing, the bigger the mistake you're going to make. Well, and yeah, those scores have to be given fast and furious and, and you've got to stay on task, I think. And not that I'm a judge or, you know, but uh, I sit there and watch the test and I'm like, you know, it's 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 crazy. It's it's mentally taxing. And to sit there to judge, what did you say, 70 horses over over two days? That's over two days. Yeah. 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 You need a lot, a lot of lot coffee of to make that happen, I guess. <laughs> well, and it was at night. We started judging at five or five thirty That's and right. didn't finish until about ten thirty. So, again, it's it was dark under the lights. And that's a little bit different too sometimes visually um when you're under the lights with a dark horse and there's a dark background on the bleachers you know sometimes you just Mm -hmm. you're like i did i see that i mean if it's a gray horse it's a piece of cake (laughs) you know you don't think about that but that would make sense when you're down on the arena Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of light and difference in light um that Mm -hmm. would make complete sense 
So, so Janet, I mean, what was it like? I mean, this clearly, I mean, this is a pinnacle for, for sport, for anyone and, and, and to be an Olympian now, I mean, what does that feel like? That's pretty cool. It is it really amazing. And I have to say, okay, even with the little disappointments of you're stuck in your room or you can't do this and all the pictures are out of the bus window, um, when those medal winners came out for the award ceremony and just crying and smiling and, oh, my gosh, it was – I'm still getting choked up. Um, oh, yeah. It was just – it made it so worthwhile. It was so – there was so much emotion. And the team day, this new format that they did, the team day was really exciting. There, that was the one day I really felt the excitement. Yeah. It was very, very cool because nobody knew what was really happening and things were switching and changing um, so quickly. So for me, that was my most exciting day. I, I just had the, you know, like little shivers and I was so excited. That was a really, really good day. Um, so that was my favorite day. Wow. <laughs> it was the Grand Prix special yeah. day, the team yeah. day. That was very cool. And the music is now so good in the freestyle, these top 18 horses. You just kind of sit there and go, well, I think they're pretty much all tens. So the, <laughs> the quality of the music is just so amazing and it's so good that it's really how they ride to that music and the choreography and then the, this new degree of difficulty, um, if they can put that together or not. So, yeah, that and, and the freestyle adds a whole new level of stress judging. Um, oh can't imagine with this degree of difficulty it's it's quite technical you have to be involved more with your scribe because they have to tell you a combination's coming up then they have to ask you if you can accept it or not so yeah the days of just kicking back and enjoying the freestyle it's this is really hard work <laughs> oh yeah really hard work Oh yeah. No, being a judge is amazing. And and your story is just such a cool story. I, I get a preview when we, when you, you did, you, you did the same similar uh, talk with us, with the kids when we were at Aachen and I just listened to it. It was just like, this is so cool. Cause we all think, Oh, we're going to be, you know, a rider at the Olympics, but there's a lot of other things going on at the Olympics other than being a rider. Um, and, you know, hearing your story is just so cool. And um, so Janet, you, we've taken a lot of your time and you've been so amazing. And what would you, maybe your, your closing thoughts to our listeners about judging at the Olympics? What, what would your closing thought be? Well, <laughs> my closing thought is it's a, a place I never thought I would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I took uh, Lloyd's Opals with me because mm -hmm. Lloyd was such a huge influence in helping me, help pushing me, you know, up the judging ladder. And um, he had given me these beautiful opals that I had put in a necklace. And so I wore those and felt that was very special. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge thing that you just never, never realize you're going to get there. And I'm just, maybe this is kind of a strange thing to say, but it was such an amazing pinnacle and such an amazing mm -hmm. um, experience. I just hope it's not all downhill from here on. 
I don't think so. And don't worry. I will be your first subscriber to your travel blog. Jana takes the most amazing <laughs> pictures. I love her. Tra- you know, girl, I will, I will sign up for traveling with Jana if, if that's, you know, just say it. So it's, it's amazing, but no, no kidding it's aside. I mean, it's just cool to, to, you know, to, to know that there are other things. You don't just have to be a trainer. Uh, you are a trainer as well, but there are other jobs too. And I think that's really important to remember in, in yeah, the whole industry. And- Exactly. And don't give up on your dream. You know, don't give up on your dream because you just never know where life is going to take you. And, you know, certainly I never thought I would be in the judges booth at the Olympic Games. And so, yeah, hang in there and keep those dreams alive (laughs) and keep working hard for it because it can happen. Especially with performance horses, flies can really be a nuisance. Fly predators are a great investment of all the different poisons and insecticides and different things you could use. I don't know of anything that is more economical and more effective than spalding fly predators. Well, tonight, it's truly an honor to have Morgan Klingensmith. I have met Morgan several years ago, and she's a wonderful person. And she was the head groom for Salvino in Tokyo and on the adventure to the Olympics. Morgan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, first of all, have you gotten some sleep? I mean, everyone seems like coming back from Tokyo, it's pretty it's pretty rough, that, that trip. Uh yeah, I was able to get some. I mean, I did fly over on all the flights with the horses as well. So I didn't get the luxury of sleeping on the flight um, <laughs> very much. But um, we did have like two days that the horses were in quarantine that we got to like chill um, after coming back to the States. So that was my downtime. So. Oh, fantastic. Well, Morgan, <laughs> yeah. tell us your story. You have the coolest story. So I wanted to, you know, talk to us about yourself for a few minutes. I, I mean, I've, I work for uh, Betsy Giuliano um, and uh, riders Adrian Lyle and Jennifer Bomber. And I sort of just, I've been with uh, Salvino though for since uh, his international tour, his first one with me was 2017. So I've been with him for quite a while now. Um, but I've worked for Betsy since 2014. So I've had the privilege of traveling to lots of different places and horse shows and just seeing the ins and out of the dressage world. And I originally was an eventer, so it was uh, quite different. Um, <laughs> and didn't you go to Betsy's you're from Ohio and, and you yeah. went to Betsy's, did you go as a summer job or, or what? I can't remember exactly how you started there. I started right out of high school, um, just at working in her Ohio barn, which is just for her rehabbing and retired horses. So I worked there for the first years and then I switched over to the show horses so that's kind of, but I, I originally am from uh this area of Middlefield Ohio Ohio um and it's very small uh Amish country kind of so my graduating class is like 17 students in a public school so very <laughs> small yeah yeah I mean did you ever see yourself literally and and, and you I I completely I don't know it, you were also with Jen Baumer when you guys went to the Pan American Games. I mean, you have yes. you've been to Europe so many times. I mean, did you envision yourself doing this? No, not absolutely not. I, you know, I just I never really had a set plan. I just was like, oh, let's see where this goes, and I really liked it, and so I definitely like love doing this and traveling and doing all the horse shows, and uh, yeah, I never I never saw myself doing this for sure. 
So <laughs> were, were you originally hired as a rider or how did you get into, uh, you know, just being um, uh, a groom for the, for the show horses? I was originally hired as a groom. Um, I had never done any like professional grooming, um, before this. So, uh, but I got to learn sort of the ins and outs through, uh, Betsy's Ohio farm, like, you know, before the show horses, but I am now started to ride as well. Some of, I have a couple of Betsy's horses and, um, that I've started riding as well. So I've sort of just progressed. Over yeah. The years. And you're a fantastic rider. I can, I can, I've oh, seen her ride you. and she is amazing. <laughs> I, I love it, Morgan. I mean, so tell us, I mean, obviously this Olympics and qualifying season, you know, it, I, I've never been to the Olympics, but I've heard that it was just so incredibly stressful and difficult. So kind of walk us through the process when you guys left Florida and headed to Germany. I've never, this was my first Olympics that I have been to, um, but I've, I've been to some world cups and I was at WEG and so to see the ins and out of those compared to this one, you know, I think Japan in itself, um, restrictions and, you, you know, like up to code and we were doing lots of COVID testing in Aachen and just making sure that everything was, um, Correct. And um, we had to do a pre-quarantine as well to go into Japan, which is not like the normal. But so what was pre-quarantine? What did that what did that mean for you guys? So essentially it was all the dressage horses, all 60 dressage horses that were going over on that flight had to be, you know, we were at Aachen in Germany at the venue. Um, And pretty much it was like a CDI stabling set up where you had to. You know, no, none of the horses were allowed out after they were in. And you had, you know, you had set training times in the arena that you could go in and as a, as a nation. And pretty much, you know, the horses were tested there as well before travel, as were, you know, grooms, athletes, riders, you know, personnel for everyone. So, so Morgan, tell us, tell us what a, a typical day for you at Aachen or, or the Olympics or at a major competition, what, what does that look like? Because you're, you're looking after one horse, correct? So, you know, what's yeah. all involved? What's all involved with that? Um, we do, I mean, usually at these, um, you know, games and stuff, there's, you know, early morning schooling times for in the arena. So the horses would school usually in the morning and then we do, you know, take care of them and everything else during the day. And, you know, in uh, Tokyo, actually, they closed down the barns from 11 to 3. And no, none of the horses were, you know, to go out to school at that time. That was their downtime. You know, we would shut off the lights in the barn and that was their rest time because they would have to be showing in the evening quite late. So we definitely wanted to make sure that, you know, they got their rest as well. Um, 11 to 3 a.m. or or like during the no, morning? 11 to 3. Sorry. 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Sorry. And then the arenas would open then in the afternoon and then they would go out for schooling or we were showing in the evening. So, you know, we were in the barns late, but they, they were definitely made sure that the horses got their rest, you know, and, and, and the riders and screw. So, yeah. Yeah. Everybody. So did you guys Everyone. stay in a hotel? Sort of- yeah. It was nice for everybody. Oh, no, did we, you? Yeah. Uh, we did not stay in hotels. So the grooms actually had accommodations uh, in Tokyo on the, on the venue, actually right next to like where the stabling is kind of. So it was good. Um, and then the riders and owners and all of their, you know, USDF personnel were at the hotels. 
Yeah. So that was nice. So you were close. You could bop in and out whenever you needed and, and get back oh. and get your rest. And yes. fantastic. So tell us about behind the scenes of Salvino. I mean, what's he like to take care of? He's like the best. He's, he's the best stallion. I mean, he's, you know, got a lot of personality and he's just, he's super fun to be around. You know, he's not, he's not mean. He's, you know, he's, he's a character for sure. Oh, I love it. And what was it like? I mean, how do you feel you know, you've got Adrian ready to go in the ring and, and she leaves and she goes into the ring. What does that feel like for you? It's very, you know, high adrenaline, like sort of don't breathe. I'm just like, Ooh. <laughs> you know, like obviously and to watch him is it, amazing. And the whole, you know, even though there wasn't, you know, the venue wasn't full, you know, the stands weren't full. It feels definitely the same atmosphere as you would get, you know, if, if they were. So it was good. Wow. That is so cool. So. Morgan, we always do a tip for our listeners and a total saddle fit tip of the week. So tell us, what is your favorite grooming tip? And I'm putting you a little on the spot for this, but you know, as know. you're getting your horses ready, like what is, what's your favorite tip? What, are, what what would you like to tell everybody of like, this is one thing or a couple things that I think every show horse should have? It's a hard one. Cause I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> I yes. travel you know, with my grooming bag with lots of everyone sort of calls me mary poppins because i'm always like pulling stuff out of my bag like um, yeah you like saved saved an international competition for adrian her her nose brand broke like and you had one i mean that's amazing yeah but i try to keep a lot of stuff in my backpack like people pick it up and they're like oh my god you need a wheelbarrow for that thing like like, yeah probably Oh, I love it. Do you have a favorite grooming item or something that you're like, I will never leave without this item? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite grooming thing because I tend to just be like, take it all. And then Adrian's like, I don't need that. And I'm like, (laughs) and then, then, then I guess the tip is to be prepared for everything. Exactly. Anything that you could have happen, you know, and it, that's it makes sense, right? It's just be prepared, have everything organized, know what you have, because you never know when a nose band will break. Like I've never heard of that. Yeah. And the fact that you were just like, boom, I have one, like what? That's yeah. so cool. And so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you are an Olympian in your field. I mean, what does that feel like? It's kind of surreal. Like, you know, we didn't like even today, like, oh, you won a silver medal. And it's like, wow, oh, yeah we want a silver medal. Like it's like almost unbelievable. What did that moment feel like? Um, honestly, we, I remember Adrian and I were, we had thought we won a bronze medal and we were just like so happy for the bronze medal. And we were going through the tunnel and then I was, we were both getting all these text messages, like it's silver, it's silver. And we're like, how did that happen? And then, yeah, it did. So <laughs> it did. That was, yeah. I mean, that was huge. I, I I mean, I think, I think all of us were really looking forward to the, to a bronze and the fact, I mean, I exactly. think the whole country like went crazy. Uh, we were rooting yeah. you guys on and, and it's just, it's so cool to hear how hard you've worked. And, you know, you came from a, a, a very, I've been to your town, a small town in Ohio, and you have literally traveled around the world, South America, Japan. What did you like Japan? Um, yeah, I like Japan. It's a little bit too much, uh, like city like for me, but, but it was, it's, it's great. The people were like, wonderful. You know, you can, you kind of didn't know going over if, you know, the community, you know, the culture wanted you there because of COVID, but everyone was, that we met was super friendly and, you know, 
they were excited that everyone was there. And uh, so it was a really good experience for us. Oh, that is so cool. Well, Morgan, I just wanted to shout out to all the grooms. You know, there were four of you guys on the trip and um, you guys went through amazing circumstances as well to get that silver medal and and just props and cheers to you. I was watching your Facebook, you know, and Adrian's. It was so cool. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And wow, congratulations on that silver medal, girl. You earned it as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Even under the best circumstances, travel is stressful for horses. We've all been there, stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. You can make the journey knowing that U.S. Rider is there for you. Get peace of mind on the road with U.S. Rider's nationwide 24-7 roadside assistance coverage for both you and your horse. Join today at usrider.org. I am so excited to have Janet Foy, five-star FEI judge. She's just back from judging at the Olympics. Janet, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, you have a great tip for us tonight. I'm really excited about this one. So I'll let you get started. Okay. The tip that I really want to make a point, people need to know where the free information is. You cannot ride a dressage test if you don't know the dimensions of the arena. I find so often in my clinics, that nobody has any idea how many meters are between each letter. And if they don't know that, they cannot ride an accurate 20-meter circle in training level, for example. And I know my scribes get very tired of riding 24-meter oval, circle not accurate. And frankly, I hate to keep taking points off of your score because of the accuracy. And it's such an easy, easy thing to fix. Any horse can ride an accurate circle. So don't lose those points. Don't cut your corners. Don't go to the wrong letter on the diagonal. Make sure you touch center line on those canter loops in first level test three. Make those 10-meter circles accurate. Don't lose those, what I call them almost stupid points, because it's silly. You work so hard and you pay so much money be accurate. Your score is going to thank you for it. Yeah. And and Janet, you said that, I mean, and this is so true, right? I mean, obviously if you're listening to the show, this show is free, but there's so much free information, you know, where are some, some places people can find that? Well, I'm, first of all, you can look at the USEF rule book and every single movement you're supposed to do has a definition and tells you exactly what it's supposed to do. Auditing the L programs, the ABC session, that will tell you what the judge is looking for and give you many, many, many aha moments. And being an auditor is not expensive. And there's quite a few always in regions across the country. Those are on the USDF website. Listening to these programs, reading, reading articles, all the Dressage Today, Dressage Daily, there's so much information Really, you just have to go out there and find it. Yeah, and you've also been an author of a book, correct? Yes, it's a training book, but it also has um, judges' tips for every movement and a little bit talking about the judging too. It's called Dressage for the Not-So-Perfect Horse, and um, it's published by Trafalgar. You can get it on Amazon. You can call Trafalgar, go on their website and order it. Um, I also have a question and answers book also with the same publisher that's a paperback 
not very expensive. I think it's $20, and it answers a lot of dressage questions. We spent a lot of time having people send questions in, and I think probably your question is going to be in that book, too. I love it. Well, Janet, thanks so much for your time. Great tip of the week, and we can't wait to have you back another time. Okay, you guys take care. We'll talk soon. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Please keep them coming. We uh, always enjoy those. And we wanted to remind you, we have a new book club book. Bum, bum, bum. Super excited about this. Um, it, it's actually, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I've already read it. It's great. It's the girl on the dancing horse by Charlotte Desjardins. Um, it's great. I read it kind of during the Olympics and it was just so cool to hear her story. I just, it's fascinating to me. So, um, Phil, I know you got your copy and, and you're getting ready to, to, maybe you've already read it. I don't know. I'm working on it. I'm working yes. on it. This is not my time to have leisure time and, and <laughs> a ton of books and, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, maybe I'll take some downtime next week after this horse show and, uh, yeah. get it read. So, but I hope everybody else is enjoying it and, uh, we're going to have a, a listener on to review it before too long. And, uh, we hope yeah. you enjoy it. We, 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 yeah. we really like it. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show that's kentucky performance products and total saddle fit don't forget to check out all the other shows on the horse radio network at horseradionetwork.com everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we can't wait to talk to you next week 